and welcome to the Mangal Media Podcast, where we will be joined by our contributing writers and artists to discuss latest articles and other subjects of interest. To learn more about us, please visit our website www.mangalmedia.net. In today's episode, I will be talking to Sattar about his article, Changing Face of Racism in Turkey. So, Sattar, um, nice to talk to you. And uh, you yeah. have written an article for us. It's been a long time, right? It was last summer, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, in yeah, last September. Last September. And uh, mm-hmm. in the article, you tell us about racism against Syrians in Turkey. Right. Mm-hmm. And you talk about a specific form of racism. You kind of focus, well, first of all, you focus on an article, right? Right. It was a response. It was an article on the independent. Mm-hmm. The, Can you tell us a bit about the article? Yeah. So basically I saw, I saw, I think either, either you or the Mango Media page they posted like a, a photo, a screenshot of the article. And uh, yeah, I think, I think the first thing I did was that I posted like a, a long rant on Facebook, but then I try, I decided to go a little bit into detail. Then I sent it to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what was it specifically about? Of course, the reason that we shared it as a um, screenshot was that be- was because it was behind the paywall. And I believe we had a conversation mm-hmm. about like how we can find like a clandestine way of you know getting a hold of the article, and we eventually did, if my memory serves. Yeah, right. exactly. And, uh, the article. And what exactly about it made you go? This is the thing that I want to respond to. Well, I mean, first of all, it was just angering. You know, it pissed me off, and. Uh, the tone of the article was very, was very generalizing. It was the, a lot of the points that she made were just false. I think I responded to a few of them. Yeah, there was, well, I had a lot to say. Right. And uh, like what though? Uh, so one of the, one of the points were where she made about she was trying to focus on tourism mm-hmm. and how uh, there's a lot of shops opening up in Taksim and around those places. And uh, she, she basically didn't really have a point. She was just complaining about, oh, there's, there's a lot of Arab shops opening up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's just, that's just how, how, what happens because there's, there's more Arabs coming visiting Istanbul and I'm guessing this is something that you have encountered in your day-to-day experiences as well yeah I mean of course I mean when I when I go to like Istiklal there's there's a lot of Arabs but the thing is even even if there is a lot of Arabs there's still like there's the diversity is still there Mm -hmm. it's not majority Arabs Mm -hmm. they're just more visible Ah, uh, you so, mean people are complaining about Istiklal not being as diverse as it used to be, that it's kind of like overtaken by Arabs and so there's no more diversity. Right, I mean, yeah, I mean, what I've seen simply, it's simply false because it's still diverse. You still people, see people, different people. 
Because there's also a lot of people, I mean, complaining about Arabs kind of, quote-unquote, destroying the diversity of Istiklal is one thing. And I've heard a lot of people also complain about there being no more Turks on the street, which is a different argument to the loss of diversity. Yeah, I mean, obviously that's false. You can still see Turks everywhere. Of course. And the idea, for example, that Arabic street signs are becoming threatening. Uh, yeah. yeah. There was also a really funny thing where, I don't remember who, but there was like a Turkish politician. She posted uh, a photo of chips. It had Arabic writing on it. It's like a Syrian chips. And then? And it was, really, and then it was just really, it was like a meme where how she's like complaining about Arabic chips. <laughs> It's they're taking over from the uh, good old-fashioned Turkish chips or something. Exactly. Yeah. That was funny. And also about the street signs, we got on the metro station, Right. we got Chinese on the metro station. Have you seen that? No, I haven't seen the Chinese ones. Yeah, there was a, they were putting uh, Chinese signs on the metro station, which is how many Chinese people come come to Turkey, you know? I mean, hopefully more would come than spend some money, you know, like that's, yeah, sure. the, uh, that's supposed to be the, um, the ultimate goal of tourism. Of course. And what confuses me a lot is that, you know, these people come here and spend money and then a lot of Turkish people complain about there being no more tourism and the, and Arab tourists are still coming and it's almost like their contribution to uh, the tourism sector is not as good as white people's money. Yeah, of course. One of them bothers them, and one of them, the other one doesn't. Exactly. They almost kind of consider European tourists to be of a uh, of a higher caliber than Arab tourists. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's that's the like bleak reality of uh, I don't know what to call them, like ultra secularists, I guess, in Turkey. Yeah, there's just a a very uh, like obvious bias and uh, generalizing where they just put things. Everything Western is good. Everything Middle Eastern is bad. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, I think there's a really simplistic way at, at viewing things. As I mentioned in the article, I'm a person who like grew up in the Middle East as well as in the U.S. and uh, I don't see any culture as inherently more better. I see each culture has its positives and negatives. And uh, yeah, just generalizing is just doesn't do anyone any good. Mm-hmm. Even if you have a specific, even if you have a specific criticism about Arabs or Turks, just speaking of that tone and that generalizing tone isn't doing anyone any good, but it just inflames racist written racism in the country mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you think about for example i mean the uh, republican party the, the kind of main opposition party in turkey in which this idea that you talked about this ultra secularist idea kind of coalesces around and yeah. uh, you know it, they are kind of seen as because they are the main opposition party to a kind of 
party that's vaguely generally considered okay a right-wing party right center right-wing party yeah. and so the republican party as the opposition is often seen as a left-wing party and yeah. there's a lot of resistance to the idea that any kind of left-wing party can uh, contain racism inside of them so it becomes even right. more difficult to express the idea that here you have a party who is allegedly standing up against a right-wing nationalist party and they are at moments being even more racist than they are. You know, it's almost like they're thinking yeah. about who's going to be more racist. Is that aspect of it particularly uh, disappointing to you? Of course, of course. And, you know, it's, it's really funny to me because, you know, being in the U.S. and, being, and seeing left and right it's kind of like the opposite where in America leftists are more open to other nationalities and races, whereas the right in America are more, um, are more prone, more likely to be racist. And kind of in Turkey, it's kind of like the opposite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I don't know, it's really confusing and, and uh, it's just, I don't know, they just use these symbols to to like, they think there's something, but they're not, I mm -hmm. guess. What do they think yeah. they are? Well, they think they're super open-minded uh -huh. and progressive, when but they don't realize that they're doing the opposite. Mm. Do you think that's the general, I mean, beyond Turkey, do you think that's the general crisis that the global left might be in right now? Um, hmm. Maybe. I think so, because uh, there's a lot of uh, like polarization when it comes to like the Turkish politics. I mean, maybe you know more about this, but this is my impression, where the kind of uh, AK Party, they kind of accuse the left here of being Western, being Islamophobic, and then the left kind of uh, assumes that those who are conservative are Muslim extremists and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So all, all of this entire dialogue is just very, I find it very counterproductive and mm -hmm. polarizing. I think and also I, I was thinking, I think it's getting worse. I was thinking in the global sense that the crisis that the left was in, especially in relation to specifically to Syria, because if, yeah. if the Arab Spring has showed us anything, is mm -hmm. that a lot of the global left can kind of stick to their intuition of blaming Western imperialism for just about anything. And, you know, right. they project this idea that the Syrian revolution was caused entirely by a CIA operation, which, of course, which, which I think is one of the fundamental racist assumptions, like underlying today's contemporary global left right and, and i mean it is it exists in turkey too there's a there's a lot of ignorance i mean i lived uh, i lived with the uh, two turkish two turkish guys for about six months and uh, i remember like one of the first conversation we had one of the first question the first question he asked was is 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 bashar good or bad mm. <laughs> He's kind of bad, I would say. You just say kind of bad. I mean, yeah, I'm being sarcastic. But uh -huh, I'm uh -huh. like, you know, 
<laughs> and uh, so how does it feel to have to explain this to people? It's exhausting. It's exhausting. Because people, people, a lot of people assume that, a lot, I think a lot of people would say like, yeah, he's bad, but maybe, maybe, he's, that, maybe he's not that bad, you know? Hmm. And I'm over here trying to do like I'm doing the the opposite. I I have I have trouble explaining just how bad he is. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So it's really exhausting and disappointing at the same time. Where people are people so close to our country just don't know what's what's mm. happening. And why do you think they don't believe you when you tell them? I mean, they do believe me, but it's just really vague to them. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, there's a very obvious genocide but happening that's been happening for a long time. But to them, it's not really, it's not really that obvious. They just say, "Oh, well, it's pretty complicated," and you know what I'm saying? Mm. They just, yeah. It's because I imagine a lot of the process of trying to convince a friend about mm -hmm. something like what Assad is would involve. Uh, revealing your own personal trauma to them and yeah, for them to turn around and say oh no it can't be that bad it also kind of denies your own personal experience yeah of course and, you know I'm hesitant to tell them well I mean I was in the protest and I got shot at I'm really mm -hmm. hesitant to like begin the conversation this way so usually I just say like when it comes to the numbers they've killed a lot more people than ISIS. I usually mm. try to put it that way mm. because usually ISIS is the main boogeyman that everybody knows about. Absolutely. Yeah. And also, it's just like, it's very shocking to them when you just come and tell them, well, actually, I've seen all this stuff. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's just really weird. But, yeah. And what about all this ignorance? That's the, one of the things that just kind of really, I'm, I'm struggling to find the right words That's for it the main thing. without cussing. But yeah, I mean, actually, I, I kind of find that like, kind of like the root of the problem because you can find people who are not racist but are ignorant. Mm. Like, for example, the, the, the two Turkish guys that I lived with, they're, I lived with them for like more than six months. And obviously they're not racist at all i lived with them and they're very great people but there is ignorance there mm. because you know sometimes they'd be um sometimes they would be explaining something to me about turkish culture mm. or maybe like a turkish word i'll tell them yeah we got we do the same thing you know what i'm saying we have yeah, the yeah. same exact thing and uh, they're surprised they're like mind blown <laughs> you know <laughs> Because they just have this perception that Arabs are something completely different, mm. whereas we have a lot in common. I think a lot of Turks have kind of erased, for good or ill, uh, the memory of the Ottoman Empire, for including all yeah. the injustices that was committed underneath that. There is this tendency of kind of people who are so, like, identify as Republicans is going, oh no, that was before my time. We have a new mm. republic now. And even though our new republic also identify, also places Turkishness as one of its core uh, kind of fundamental yeah. aspects, 
uh, they kind of erase this past with all, not just the evil, but all the shared history that we have with our neighbors. Yeah, that, that's, that could be the reason. I mean, I don't know to which, to which extent like the history was removed because I'm pretty sure a lot of literature went, like, went away because of the language change. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's really crazy to think about. Mm. How, how did they erase the history? Like, did they, did they like, like, change the history books and whatnot? I mean, for the history books, I think, were changed. Uh, but, of course, like, much more fundamentally, the language, the alphabet was changed from the uh, Arabic alphabet to, like, almost right. overnight, we started using the uh, Latin alphabet, which yeah. basically cut off uh, the next generation's access to all the newspapers that was written like 50 years ago, you know. Right. And right. one day we woke up and the occult of prayer was being sung in Turkish, you know. Uh, yeah. There's a YouTube video of that. Have you seen it? It's like a new, be new beginning. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. And to, to just leave everything else behind. I mean, one of the instances where I thought that ignorance was most obvious in your face was, mm -hmm. I think, last year or two years ago, there was a New Year celebration. And okay. a group of young Syrian men, they were on Taksim Square. And they were holding, you know, the Syrian independence flag with the green and the black. Mm -hmm. Right. And a bunch of kind of uppity lefty saw this. And mm -hmm. they said something like, oh, my God, they're raising the jihadi flag. And then I found my, I saw people share this on social media, people like people that I know, you know, like my mm -hmm. personal friends. And I had to tell them individually, you know, one by one, right. that this is actually Syria's independence flag. And it was the Assad regime who came to power and put their Ba'ath Party regime flag instead of it. So these people are actually waving their original flag. And what I found absolutely stunning is that among these people, they were, you know, people that I've discussed history with, that people, who have given their opinions to me about the 1921 Kronstadt rebellion in Soviet Russia. Mm -hmm. But they are totally ignorant when it comes to the flag right. of their neighbor. And the even crazier part is that the Syrian conflict or the Syrian war is literally the most documented war in history. Like the, the YouTube videos and whatnot. But somehow somehow i i still this still confuses me to this day mm. is how those people just just get these perceptions these false perceptions of uh it's uh, i think it's like the epitome of the what of, of what people call post-truth syria is like the perfect example of mm. post-truth disinformation because there's literally an enormous amount of evidence that documented the Syrian revolution and the war crimes of the, of the Syrian regime. But then you have these huge amounts of people who are completely oblivious to it. There's a book, there's a book being wrote, written about this, about 
post-truth and uh, uh, I think it has a I think it has a focus on Syria it's uh, Idris Ahmed mm-hmm. he's a journalist he's writing a book about it and yeah I think I think Syria is like the definitive test to whether like the modern world could, could navigate through this mess of disinformation and propaganda because obviously I mean a lot of it is uh, a direct result of uh, world powers putting the resources in this information campaign like RT and uh, yeah. all their news outlets but yeah it's it's challenging and uh, we we need to we need to do something about it that's going to be my next question what do you think we can do about it uh i don't know word of mouth tell people talk to people um media 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 campaigns for sure um social media because obviously a lot of those people are getting the, those false opinions from social media mm. you know they they watch these little rt videos those little conspiracy conspiracy videos and they just have this warped perception mm. of what's going on so yeah um social media campaigns stuff like that that, that would help but i mean obviously we don't know because this whole thing is just really new to us yeah i think one of the things that i find find interesting is along with this polarization and disinformation there is also kind of like a tendency of how to put this of people having a debate simply by calling each other ignorant and stupid uh which also doesn't help you know right i mean people question always question the use of social media and Mm -hmm. whether it's making us smarter or or dumber (laughs) Mm. so yeah social media is just crazy people i mean it's very easy for people who have a certain opinion to just get the opinion reinforced exactly even if there's something for everyone so if you believe the earth is flat then you're gonna you can find a bunch of people who who believe that who will agree with you have you ever Uh, seen for example the state of turkish kind of uh That's the thing also, for instance, when you were saying earlier about yeah. how um, the left in, in a lot of instances can be a great deal more racist than the right, whom you would be expecting racism from. A lot of the yeah. times when you browse like the, uh, have, you, have you, do you ever get the chance to browse Turkish media at all? Um, what do you say? No, no, uh, no. I said, uh, do you ever get the chance to browse Turkish media? Um, a little bit. I mean, on Twitter sometimes. Right. Like, uh, there's a translate button, but I still haven't gotten a, a grip on Turkish yet. So. Because really. one of the things that happens is a lot of the sources, uh, opposition sources, that I would follow to get news about Turkey, uh, mm-hmm. but like kind of stuff about what the government does wrong and human rights violations and court cases that are unjustified. A lot of the sources that I follow for these kinds of news, when it comes to anything related to Syria, 
All of yeah. a sudden, the article starts with the word jihadi and ends with the word jihadi. You know? Yeah, I would, I would expect that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, do you think a part of it is because uh, because of Ak Party's position in Syria, and that the opposition just want to say whatever they're saying, the opposite of what they're saying? Pretty much. It's yeah. shadow boxing politics, basically. Yeah, I'm under that impression as well. And uh, I don't know. And that's the thing. When I look at media sources that I would never normally follow for any kind of news at all, uh, pro-government sources, their coverage of Syria is actually... Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Barring a few stuff, barring their dealing with um, certain factions, when it comes to what the regime does, they're actually all right about documenting of course i mean i i would imagine that a lot of uh, a lot of syrians who who might oppose um who, or might not be completely on board with the turkey's position in syria they might feel alienated between mm. left and right in turkey that can happen as well because you see on on the left you see them completely ignorant and oblivious to what the government what our government is doing to us and then on the right they also have problematic issues with them absolutely and that's the thing also a lot of a lot of series that i've spoken to have expressed this opinion that you know they Mm -hmm. also disagree with a lot of the things that the government does here and they would like to be in a safe environment where they can oppose to this government along with all the Turkish right. people who are living here. But as soon as they find themselves in that environment, they find that they are repelled. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, so there's no, there's no like uh, common ground for opposing both, I guess. Exactly, and it's a disgusting vicious circle because then what happens is a lot of these opposition people who are uh, Turkish opposition uh, people mm-hmm. then ascribe to all the Syrians uh, the idea that all every Syrian is voting for AKP here. Yeah, I mean there. I mean there is a little bit some truth to that because uh, because of the amount of Syrians who were given uh, uh, citizenship, mm-hmm. especially during the election. Mm-hmm. During the election, a lot of them were just given citizenship just so they can up the vote but is that again, true that's, I've, I've, i'm not 100% sure but i've heard people say that that everyone was getting citizenships and mm-hmm. stuff so that could be true and i'm sure i'm, I'm of, really skeptical about that maybe maybe it could be false I'm not sure but yeah again that's not all of us <laughs> so again generalize Journalizing. And this is the thing also, a lot of Syrians actually have very, they are not entirely, let me rephrase this, a lot of Syrians, they're not entirely blinded by the kind of phony support that AKP is giving for their cause also. I mean, as soon as Aleppo was completely abandoned, a lot of Syrians in Turkey who were entertaining ideas about voting for AKP, yeah. suddenly change their minds because a lot of people are actually aware that you know Turkey's actually using them as a pawn 
Yeah, and there's a there's a lot of things like that. For example, there's a lot of people who were shot at at the border, mm. refugees. Exactly. And there's also people um the fact that they were using Syrians as a as like a scapegoat for the EU. Yes. When it's like we're going to we're going to release them on you if you don't if you don't do what we want. Mm. So yeah, there's a lot of things. But then again, you can oppose those things and also agree with certain certain moves for example the the of them entering idlib for example where mm. they kind of prevented uh, a a genocide basically mm, mm, mm. so but yeah in, in turkish politics i guess there's very little room to to make these points whereas like okay we we oppose them on these issues but we we don't oppose them on this because it has a practical it has a practical benefit for us i mean we we could i think politics is all about um what's it called um um i forgot the word but compromise you find, yeah compromise exactly uh-huh. you can find compromise for example we as syrians as a syrian opposition there's certain things where it goes with our good and turkey's good mm So yeah, there should be on certain on certain issues I think we should be allowed to say okay, we we back the government on this particular move without having to the, without having to back the entire government and everything it does. Exactly, exactly. And I think what infuriates me about this whole thing is like to the the extent to which it underestimates the intelligence and the dignity of Syria. who are actually quite aware that you know this government is not wonderful who are actually quite capable of being critical of not only what this government is doing to turkish people but this government yeah. is doing awful things to syrians themselves you know sure and so they've got excellent reasons to be even more critical of this government than turkish people are being Right. So right. the kind of blank check assumption that every Syrian that you encounter on the street in Turkey is going to be a diehard AKP supporter is treating Syrians like they were idiots. Right. Like they are completely right. unaware that teenage boys, Syrian teenage boys are being shot on the street by police officers. Yeah. And in spite of all of these, they expect Syrians to unconditionally support this group. Yeah. I mean I think a lot of the same dynamic of uh, support uh in Turkey applies in Syria whereas people who are more conservative just automatically support AKP and it's the same thing for Syrians. So again this is also like a similarity where people need to acknowledge like not all people support AKP blindly. Mm. But yeah I guess this is like the main point of all our arguments here which is like <laughs> generalizing people is just stupid. But yeah. Yeah, we should work on that um just being able to op- oppose or support like certain policies without without being accused of being a Erdogan shabih. Yeah, that happens a lot even between even between Syrians themselves. It happens. Like how so? For example, someone could so post something that eludes 
of uh, support to Turkey, and they can be accused of being uh, an Erdogan Shabbi. Huh. Yeah, so it's just really simplistic. And this is the weird thing. While Syrians are having these conversations among themselves and even ridiculing each other about the extent to which they support the government, yeah. Turkish people from the outside look at this diverse community who are having, you know, disputes among each other about what, right. about what positions yeah. they should be against this government. And there's the, the, the mass Turkish community just look at, mm-hmm. at Syrians here and they just think, oh, they all think the yeah. same. Right. Yeah, it's just stupid. It's insulting, <laughs> that's what it is. It's insulting. Yeah. Right, and you know, I'm, I actually think that this kind of sentiment doesn't exist as much in South Turkey because they kind of... Uh, there's there was there's been a lot more Syrians in South Turkey from 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 the beginning, like Antakya so and of, Hatay. Yeah, mainly Gaziantep. Gaziantep, Lid, of course. Maybe Mersin, mm-hmm. where they kind of meshed with the Turkish society pretty well. So yeah, even when it comes to racism, tell, tell me more about it. That sounds like a really hopeful thing. Like what worked yeah, there? I mean, it, what worked was basically there's too much of them <laughs> so yeah they they just they there was more they do business with each other more often for example every 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 syrian business works with turks and every mm-hmm. turkish business works with syrians because i don't know in gaziantep syrians are probably like i don't know like 30 percent, 20 percent, something like that but yeah so so they were they were forced to to communicate with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it's more it's a lot more healthy than Istanbul mm-hmm. for sure. And what's exceptional about Istanbul? Ah, uh, I don't know. Too much diversity. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, what's exceptional is that we're not as uh, involved because we're just another minority mm-hmm. in, in, in Istanbul. Mm-hmm. So I guess I, I could say we're not essential, whereas mm-hmm. in Gaziantep, Syrians have just become part of, part of society. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they can be counted as an essential part mm-hmm. because, because of bu- the way businesses are. I mentioned in my article how a lot of the factories in northern Syria simply relocated to south turkey so and i think that plays a part too when it comes to economy like gaziantep literally boomed because of syrians when it comes to businesses construction you go to gaziantep today and there's construction everywhere you look and killis too killis was was nothing before syrians mm-hmm. came and now it's like a, a legitimate city so yeah, it's really different from Istanbul, where we don't really have that kind of essential role, mm-hmm. and Turkish people weren't forced to like deal with us mm-hmm. in like day-to-day situations. And how do you feel about the future of Syria? Syria, 
I have no idea. <laughs> it's very hard to expect, but um, because part of that future is in Turkey right now, like you said. I mean, they, I mean, they've come here and they are part of the industry right now, and a lot of Syrians who are living here. This is going to be their country now, and so Absolutely. Turkey, to an extent, is kind of part of the future of Syria right now. Yeah, of course, and it definitely has a key role when it comes to uh, when it comes to politics. Mm. So we need to do a better job at understanding that and being more involved, and hopefully creating the space that that's this that allows healthy disagreement and agreement with the mm -hmm. government based on just being objective. Mm -hmm. But I feel like there's no there's no space for objectivity in a certain like political climate mm -hmm. so yeah we, we could definitely work on that um what else um what about the social aspect like uh between the communities yeah. i mean the social aspect again in gaziantep is a lot better mm -hmm. for example if you uh, if you stutter if you're trying to say something in turkish and you stutter then he automatically knows that you're Syrian and mm -hmm. kind of speaks with you in less, more slowly, more easier terms. You know what I'm saying? If you're mm -hmm. asking for directions, for example. So they, they expect you more in, in, in Gaziantep. Mm -hmm. You're a lot more expected. But yeah, um, there's definitely a lot of things that us Syrians should work on. <laughs> if there's any Syrians listening to this, obviously. Um, uh, there's a thing, there's a thing, you know, J Dave Chappelle, he had a stand-up where he was saying, it was about black people. Mm -hmm. He was saying, everything you don't like about black people, black people really don't like about black people. Ah. So it, yeah, it kind of goes for the same thing where there's a lot of, uh, I mean, there's a lot of bad things that happen. For example, loud music in the car. Um shishas and parks where you're not supposed to smoke shisha that kind of thing but yeah i mean again that's not everyone but that that's something that we're working on as well and part example, of me also thinks what's the big deal yeah i mean <laughs> i don't know i mean do yeah, turks never have their music up loud when they're when they're driving around obviously when they, obviously when it's arabic music then there's it's threatening there's all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it, yeah, I mean, I, I really hope people, I, I mean, there's a lot of, every now and then you hear about a Saudi guy getting attacked in a, in a, in a cafeteria and, and whatnot. And there's been countless stories of Syrians going through stuff and fighting over, just over ridiculous things. Like, like the, some of the stories I've heard of, uh, of fights um, between Turks and Syrians, they start for the stupidest reasons. Because, mm. like, some guy looked at a girl and then the girl went to her cousins and that kind of thing. And it just explodes. <laughs> it's pretty much exactly how fights start between Turkish people. I mean, but then yeah. you've got this added fuel to the fire of having, like, two yeah. different communities who accuse each other, this is what you always do. Right, right. So yeah, I, I, I hope 
I wish that we'd see less of that. I mean, I've never, I've never had, uh, I've never faced anything uh, racist or I've never been attacked. But obviously when I hear the news, when something happens in my city, then I go out the next day, obviously you feel it in, in the air. So yeah, there's, I, I wish that we won't hear any, like any news like that anymore. Are you hopeful about the future? Um, when it comes to Syrians in Turkey, I think, yeah, for sure. Because people are, um, people are assimilating more. People are learning Turkish. There's, there's going to be more communication one way or another. But what about all the bad stuff that's happening also? Like, uh, the, uh, deportations that happened last year? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, hopefully they don't deport anymore it's, well it has stopped i guess yeah i haven't heard of deportation happening or soon. in that kind of massive way at least i'm sure there must be yeah. deportations happening that's what yeah. the state does <laughs> i've heard about an egyptian guy who ended up in idlib because they thought that he was syrian i've heard about this also <laughs> <laughs> You laugh, but I mean, woof. It's crazy, yeah. I mean, but it's possible from the videos we've seen of them putting on buses. Yeah, yeah, they don't check anything. Obviously, a Turkish guy wouldn't be able to um, differentiate between a Syrian and Egyptian. So I mean, especially if they don't look at their papers. Right. I'm just laughing because I'm just imagining an Egyptian guy in, hey, ending in up in Italy. <laughs> but yeah, about deportations, I don't know if they're gonna do um, more of that. Um, I don't know. I guess it was a bit of a show because it had happened after the uh, municipal elections, and oh, that's yeah, the right, thing. It's right. it's a bit of yeah. a um, uh, opposition. Yeah, you want to give it some of their votes, opposition votes. Exactly. They are basically, I mean, that's the most alarming thing. They are competing on, not on who's going to be more welcoming or not on who is going to do more to help Syrians to integrate into society. Instead, they're competing on who is going to send more back home. And politically, right. that's what worries me the most. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because that's what, apparently, since both parties are doing it, then that's what majority of people want to see. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it is worrying. But, yeah, and we, we did mention it in the article. I think yes. you added that part. But, um, yeah, well, they should be more embarrassed of a party doing that. Than, yeah. than like, uh, people smoking shisha. <laughs> right. so what is your day-to-day -day life like in istanbul uh as of now um i don't know I, i'm slowly going back to the the cafe lifestyle slowly but surely mm -hmm. but yeah i love the cafe culture in istanbul uh -huh, uh -huh. it's really amazing people just go and sit it doesn't it doesn't really exist in america where People are just like, let's go to a cafe. 
<laughs> there's Starbucks everywhere in the U.S. That's how I imagine it to be. Right, but they don't, they don't, they don't view it the same way people here. Uh-huh. But yeah, they just, I think they just started opening outdoors. I went to a few cafes last week. Um, I don't know when they're gonna open indoors. I think at the start of the, at the beginning of next month, mm-hmm. they're gonna open cinemas and stuff like that. But yeah, it's like I love I love Istanbul. Istanbul is a, a great city. What do you like uh, about it? Well, again, I mentioned this in the article. It's kind of like the, you get best of both worlds when it comes to west and east. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I like the I like the diversity here. It's the I mean, the diversity here is more Middle East oriented for sure mm-hmm. than than global. Yeah, I enjoy it. And, uh, well, yeah, it's disappointing that people want it one way. <laughs> they want it Western, Westernized. Mm-hmm. That's really disappointing to me because that's opposite of what me and a lot of people love about Istanbul. I mean, that's the interesting thing also because you actually moved from the United States to come and live here when a lot of, yeah. you know, educated Turkish people are trying to find ways of going to Europe and the U.S. You have yeah, done course. a backwards commute. I mean, I have, I have twice. I mean, part of it is like a personal reason because I tried to study university there, but mm-hmm. it just didn't work out for me. But regardless of that, I enjoy Istanbul a lot better, mm-hmm. a lot more. And yeah, people ask me that all the time, and that's that's the truth. Tell me about you a bit about your life in the U.S. Then, like, what made you get like? Because maybe a lot of Turkish people might find it refreshing to hear your perspective on this or a lot of syrian people even you know what do syrian people think no i mean no no i'm asking a lot of people who are living here right now in the middle east syrians turks egyptians whatever who are you know really interested in moving to europe or the united states which is fair enough to them Mm -hmm. Uh, but i think it might be interesting interesting for them to hear your opinion of like what your life was like and what made you choose um, to come here well i'll i'll explain the things that i kind of dislike about america or the west in general i think it's very individualistic it's kind of a, it's difficult to make friends it's a lot easier to make friends here and i i think it's just attributed to like western culture mm-hmm. at large where people are just very um more individualistic a lot more closed off um i think america is only good if you have like a solid plan for like university or like a solid job but if you're just if you're just winging it you know what i'm saying you're just kind of going to explore and try out new jobs and and try new things then i think Istanbul has a lot more to offer when it comes to that yeah because yeah because it's a huge it's a huge city and it's all connected with public transportation mm. you know that's that's the one thing that's really bad about america is that you only have downtown and then when you go when you leave downtown you're basically in the middle of nowhere and there's no public transportation and there's that's in chicago like, where you came from yeah that's in like that's like the suburbs of chicago once mm-hmm. once you're outside the city you're basically stuck at home unless you have a car mm. and in downtown it's extremely expensive <laughs> to do anything mm. well yeah it's only it's only good if you have like a solid 
a solid scholarship or a solid job, then yeah, I would recommend going there. And you have made that decision before the pandemic outbreak also, because after the pandemic outbreak, I started hearing a lot of people kind of saying, well, I used to think about how it would be cool to move to the United States, but after I seen what was going on. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's partly attributed to the current president that we have, maybe right. because they handled it horribly. Mm -hmm. That could be why. But yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I've personally heard many stories of people going to America or Germany or whatever, and they regret it because um, they don't feel at home. They find it difficult to navigate um, socially and and uh, in other ways as well. But the U.S. is exceptionally alarming, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, it's very capitalistic, very individualistic. Mm -hmm. You have to, if, like I said, if you don't have the like exceptional opportunities, you're you're left for dead. <laughs> mm. Yeah, and you're gonna end up. If you're if you if you're not financially well, you're gonna end up working two jobs to support yourself. And yeah, the police are fucking crazy too. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Police in America are insane. I mean, every time I've met Americans abroad, even white ones, yeah. I would be like, "So how how did you?" I, I used to live in Taiwan. I'd ask them like, "How did you end up living in Taiwan?" And they'd be like. The police are insane. Even white ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I mean, it's a lot worse if you're black and brown. But I mean, there's something fundamentally wrong about them, and obviously that's gonna affect everyone, not mm. just black and brown people. And yeah, this is just insane how much authority and, and power they have. It's crazy. Well, we we're just we're just now seeing some reforms happen. Have you heard about um? San Francisco, I think, they started sending out, um, they're not sending out police anymore if it's uh, something related to mental health or something not like nonviolent issues. They're gonna send out like specialists who don't have guns. And yeah, if it's, if it's a call, if it's a 911 call related to mental health, uh, I'm sorry, someone came in. Uh, yeah, if it's like a nonviolent call, they send out those specialists instead of uh, police. So yeah, there's riots at work. <laughs> yeah, I mean the call to defund the police mm -hmm. sounds pretty reasonable to me. Right. I mean, can you argue if the the riots didn't happen, we wouldn't have we wouldn't be seeing this conversation being taken place. Well, then you've got the hero of the left, Bernie Sanders, our Lord and Savior, who has just proclaimed that uh, his solution is to increase the funding, increase the funding for the police. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At that point, I was just like... That's unexpected from Bernie, to be honest. But It is pretty expected. He's, he's, he's all about increasing funding for all the departments of the state. So... Mm. Is that part of like social socialism? Well, uh, I guess it's part of socialism. Yeah, like uh, more welfare, uh, bigger state sector. 
I mean, that's why that's why these white lefties are never going to be able to understand because they're still operating with Karl Marx, who wrote his book yeah. when, like, nineteenth century. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Damn. Yeah, I know. It's all this shit is outdated. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's just my, my belief. Exactly, and there's a struggle in especially the street. Especially when it comes to, especially when it comes to America. America is weird, man. America. Is, like it's never been this country is like an experiment you know what mm. i'm saying there's we've no history we don't have any reference when it comes to history for america in particular or, or that's what i think yeah yeah i mean it's a very violent and brutal experiment yeah the country's on drugs <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean my personal opinion is that we should stay away from labels in general like just when it comes to regular discourse mm -hmm. i think it's not healthy to put labels on anything just focus on policy mm -hmm. we got socialism marxism democrat republican it's just all so confusing mm -hmm. yeah. they're supposed to make things simpler but they end up making uh, things yeah. even more confusing yeah and plus we got social media that just makes that makes this polarization 10 times worse. Blows and, it out and again, we're, again, it's a new thing that we're still trying to learn about it. Mm. I mean, social media has had a bad effect on me, like regardless of politics. It's oh, yeah. Too much, too much information. It's too much. It's too entertaining. It's just, it's too good, you could say. It can be too infuriating also. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've come to a point where, have you seen the George Floyd video? No, no, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. Same. I did not click on it. I saw, I mean, I saw the video, I read the headline and I already knew what was about to happen. I mean, we've seen all, I mean, I've watched all those videos in 2014 and 15 uh, when, mm -hmm. you know, Mike Brown was killed and a whole bunch of other kind of uh, exactly. murders were committed by the police and I don't need to see the proof that another black person has just suffered under police exactly. brutality. I've, I'm this, I, I was the exact same way. I used to open every link, even when it comes to like Syrian stuff, like torture videos, mm. people, people being injured. I used to mm. watch all that shit. Like it would, I would, I would almost feel compelled to watch it. Mm. I would feel like I owe, I owe it to the victim to mm. watch them suffer and see what they went through and share it but it just reaches a point of rep repetitiveness where and then i, I also really think know. like if something like that would ha had happened to me would you i want, want would i want people to watch it i, I exactly. don't think i would really i don't yeah. think i would want people to see me in that way i mean but, i would want people to remember want, as i was exactly but you would want people to know about it at least or who did it to you I, I would want this to serve as an occasion for this to not happen again. Of course. If yeah. possible. But yeah, I think I haven't watched any, I haven't watched any gruesome videos in a while. I just read the headline and scroll through. Yeah. It's not doing any good. Yeah. Well, I think we can close up with the message of how long has it putting been labels on? huh it's it's almost an hour 
Uh, time to wrap up. But I think uh, we kind of circled back to what we started with uh, when you said uh, about putting labels to things. Right. I, I think, think people need to chill. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. That's the best way to put right. it. Well, thank you very much, Sattar, for joining us uh, on no uh, the Manga Media uh, radio show. Uh, and thanks, everyone, for listening.